Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars that weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the film stage. As always, I'm Dan Mecca with my good friend, Connor O'Donnell. Connor, we're back from our little hiatus. Yeah, that sound was me taking a nice, fresh sip of water for this fresh back out of the episode. Yeah. Voice is clear. And actually, I think what's cool about this is we're doing something a little different um, as like a return to form. We're going to tackle... Yeah, this um, is the first, to be clear, this is the first recorded episode after our little yeah. hiatus. So We dropped the Michael Keaton one, but we recorded it before. So We're spoiling the magic. We're, yeah, we're, it's all how the sausage is made. But so, what was I going to say? So, First Frame is what our guest here was calling it, and I think it's a good name. Yeah, and we'll we're workshop gonna introduce it. Him in we'll a second. It. But, but um, we, we've done a couple episodes called Final Frames about kind of great directors, final films. We talked about Eyes Wide Shut. We talked about Family Plot by Hitchcock. Obviously, Eyes Wide Shut by Kubrick. And um, this was, was, was a good idea, and we're going to talk about three great filmmakers' first films and it's a pretty purposely wide margin and our guest today is andrew adams who's an la-based filmmaker with a film called american meltdown that's running the festival circuit and andrew i've known you a long time we'll get into it how are you doing i am doing great thank you for having me um quickly before we get into let me just i want to say the names of the movies first because i always forget to do it early we're going to talk about quentin tarantino's first like semi-feature only half of it exists question mark right yeah he's been he there was it's funny if you look into it like the story was they lost slash like half of it got burned but then he really he revealed that he basically that was a lie and he the 37 minutes that exist are like the 37 minutes he likes which those are the best minutes. <laughs> well, which we'll get into because yikes. But okay, but but so Quinn's Quinn's kind of first semi movie called My Best Friend's Birthday, which you can find on YouTube and other places. You know, it's like not great quality, but you can definitely you know we'll get into it. There's a lot to actually. There's really a lot to talk about with it, to be honest. And then we're gonna talk about this is a fun one, and I just I want this was kind of me. I mean, you had suggested it, uh, Andrew, but I was like, we if we're gonna. Hey, if it's on the list, Larry David's film, Sour Grapes, which was kind of his like, I'm leaving Seinfeld and cashing in a little bit of it to make a Steven Weber, Craig Bierko vehicle <laughs> called Sour Grapes, which we'll get into. Very It feels like and he then, was pulling like a Charles Lawton, you know, he was like one and done. I'm going to do you know? one. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. just do one. Yeah, and it has a lot of similarities to Night of the Hunter. No. Yeah, of course. Um, um, and then, and then our final one, we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about uh, Barking Dogs Never Bite, which is Bong Joon Ho's first feature. Director Bong, the great, um, you know him obviously. Uh, he did Parasite. He did Okja. He did Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. The host. He's the host. done the host. Yeah. He's done Memories of Murder. Mother. Um, very talented filmmaker. So th- that's an, th- these are all. There's a lot to talk about with all of them. Andrew, what do you got? Well, another thing that I liked about this was that basically all three of these people, everything else they've done is an A side. 
right? Like basically, right? Which is actually sure. yeah. that's a great point sure. that I didn't even. Larry think Larry David, that's I guess, just... is the outlier because he's technically no, never even... made another film, but the things but... he's known for. <laughs> The yes, only one, like you know, what's funny. Popular. The only other thing with Larry David that would you would kind of count is Clear, clear History, right? Because yeah. he which wrote was the that, H- right? he wrote it. He's yeah. a star, yeah. you know. It, it's okay. that one's better. <laughs> Sour grapes. Um, but but you're right. Yeah, Larry David, Curb, and Seinfeld, basically. And then yeah, Bong. I mean, you know, I think you could probably call stuff like Mother a B side. But to your point, <laughs> there's not a lot. And then obviously Quentin. Yeah, no. I mean, like you know. The you know the man from Hollywood in four rooms maybe like death right. proof yeah. kind of right, right. it's like kind not of. really so you're yeah. right that's funny actually yeah it's like really it's like a, it's like a only a sides list basically um but before we jump too far into it I want you to tell us a little bit about American Meltdown and I just want to I want to say this at the start so we all work in or tangentially around the industry and stuff and. We know people who make things, we make things. And what is so refreshing about this conversation is like, you know, you're like, yo, so me and Andrew, we worked together as PAs a long time ago and we kept yeah. in touch for a little while, but then you moved to LA, you know, life happens, whatever. And then like we were chatting, we kind of caught up because, you know, I've been lucky enough to be part of the film stage for a long time. We're lucky enough to still be around and have a kind of a listenership and a readership. And you've been making stuff in LA for a long time and having, you know, you know real success like just surviving like being out there doing it like you know which is incredible like anyone knows it's not easy but hey made a movie it's getting into festivals and look the you know this the for anybody who's read scripts you're like um fucking okay like yeah i don't know you know and you know that's just part of the game it's like i I've been that to a million people, I'm sure, right? It was like, oh, it's kind of yeah. sucks, you know, whatever. And it, how amazing <laughs> it was to watch your movie and be like, this kicks ass. This is really uh-huh. good. Like, and and that, we talked about it before that, so I'm not surprising you with any of this, but like, you've had you've had some success. It's gotten to yeah, a lot of thanks, festivals. Man. You're going to mention, I think, Film Quest in a second. And so like, tell us about the movie. Tell us about the trajectory towards it. You know, this kind of burgeoning blossoming that's happening with it. The uh, floor is yours. Yeah, well, basically, like, when I met you, like, a decade ago now. Yeah, um, longer probably, yeah. Yeah, we were, I, like, I was, I got into film to pursue narrative filmmaking. Like, that's always been the passion. It's why I was stoked to, like, go watch these movies and why I want to talk about them. But, right. you know, like, you got to make a living. And so I just got pulled into, like, branded stuff and all this other sure. things. And I was, I felt very lucky to know that I was making stuff for my living. Felt great. But it was never, like, the stuff that I wanted to be making. And then I was um, writing scripts for a long time, trying to figure out how to get something made, and I could never figure out the fundraising part. So American Meltdown happened at the beginning of the pandemic when everything shut down, and I was angry, and I was in quarantine, and I was freaking out about rent and everything. I was kind of like, I'm going to come out of this with something. So I just started writing. Uh, The plan was to write something that I could self-produce very cheaply, and then because of that, I went super personal. Uh, and when I finished the script, I was really happy with it. I shared it with some friends and they're like, Hey, there's something here. So we just went out and we made it and along the process, tried to make it as big as we could. So we're really proud of it because it, even though it started as this very scrappy DIY micro budget project, it's got some legs. We've been going to festivals. Yeah. So yeah, um, I would uh, describe it as a dark comedy. We've been calling it a millennial coming of rage story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, that's a good sellable line. That's yeah, I like that. That's and that's true. I mean, that's true. I mean, you, you give, give give it like the twenty second plot of it because it's a yeah. good. It's a very like, and it actually kind of fits with 
the provocateur nature of these filmmakers we're going to be talking about kind of yeah. uh, kind of unintentional another unintentional thing but kind but of I it's in that I also vein. think that's might be part of the reason that I like these filmmakers and why like when I was brainstorming like well which filmmakers do I respect like it's just something about the energy that they have Bong especially I love and actually when people ask me about the tone because the tone of my movie is really tricky and I was trying to like sure. explain to people because it has like drama in a lot of ways it's about what it feels like to be broke but it's funny and it's got crime caper stuff and so I would always point to like Bong Joon-ho's work it's sure. like yeah we tried yeah. to make something artful but and full of like actual political thought and like stuff that resonates but we wanted it to be fun and entertaining first thing um, yeah. but yes yeah, so the basic plot of it that I tell people is it's about a young woman who loses her job and she's uh, her home gets broken into she's struggling to pay rent and everything's falling apart and then she befriends a pickpocket who convinces her that the only way to make it in america is to commit petty crime yeah so good and it really is like and i think what i think the thing about the pre the premise is great but i think obviously you could see that premise wearing out quicker than a narrative would allow and i think what yeah. you do really well you and your team obviously is like it doesn't it doesn't right i think there are there's there's structures in place that like you care about the people enough so that when the things that happen and we won't spoil anything obviously but when the things that happen happen in your film you're invested right and i think yeah. that that's where it it's not just like shock whatever you know, you want to call it where you can be along for the ride for some kind of cosmetic reasons, but then maybe worse than it's not that right. And it's funny, this is like a very way more hoity toity than it's gonna, than I mean it to be. But to the point of like being the being broke thing, you're so right with the movie, right? And I think yeah. this is an interesting reference, but I, I, I always think about it. One of my favorite books I ever read is this, um, George Orwell book called Down and Out in London and Paris, which is a, it's a nonfiction book. It's, it's him. It's like, it, I think it's like, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, people who are listening, but I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a, it, as I remembered, I read it when I was backpacking. So this is a, before I met you, Andrew, I was like 20 years old, but basically he writes about being poor. It's just about being poor in London and Paris. And the thing he writes that I, that always sticks with me though, is like the thing about being Poor, so just to just... just to clarify, it's his first full length work. So apropos to this uh, to this thing, come on. So Orwell's first full length work, and it is considered a memoir. So okay, so yeah, yeah so okay, okay. So, down so and out close. in Paris and London is the title. Yeah, down yeah. and out in Paris and London. Yeah, so <clears throat> he has this great observation where he's like. If you're poor, and obviously I'm, this is discounting, I mean, obviously if you have a family or a dog, you know that if you are poor, right, and it's like things are really dire your life gets really simple where it's like the only thing you're focusing on is like how to get food. And there is a like Nirvana in the simplicity of just what, okay, I just need to eat. And yeah. I think when the pickpocket in your film comes into play, there's some of her energy is like that, which is like, she kind of injects positivity in, in the movie and comedy and obviously there's other stuff that comes with it. But what I love about it is it's like, yeah, I mean, she's kind of, she kind of figured it out, right? Like she's kind, you know, and it's like that kind of breaks, you know, your lead character's brain a little bit. And yeah. it's very a relatable yin and yang scenario. And um, 
even to the point where like i'm you know i got two kids right like every and i'm look i'm not i'm blessed i'm not complaining yeah. but it's like you're like how am i gonna pay for all these freaking things i gotta pay for? <laughs> yeah it's so stressful like, i'm like watching this stuff in the movie i'm like maybe i should do some of this stuff at whole foods <laughs> this feels like totally who would be hurt who would be hurt by that you're like very much like yeah. reasoning with and yourself watching it's great yeah. i'll be honest when i was writing it i did go on reddit boards to like con artists ask me anything so i found the real <laughs> tips on it. how to get by and i was like i'm just gonna teach people how to commit some crimes so <laughs> yeah <laughs> we you heard it here first folks that andrew is indeed 100 percent condoning full-throated <laughs> yeah petty crime yeah Con we even, artist and filmmaker andrew adams yeah, yeah we specifically say in the movie at times like don't do it to mom and pop shops do it to big corporations because that's how i feel yeah no and i think but like i think also it's like one of look look yeah, there's a million things but even the even the inception of the movie right perfect right like quarantine we're all like are we what's happening you know the, you know we yeah and look, it's, you know, I think it's the perfect, you know, COVID era movie in that in that way of like, you're not really dealing with because co- like, who really wants to go back? I mean, you're seeing yeah. it with artwork, right? Like people don't really want to like, s- remember 2020, you know, in that way. Right. But I think you're capturing that kind of desperation and then that it all came from that, but that you kind of were able to 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 put it together the way you did. And that it doesn't look like Clerks, you know, which no offense yeah. to Clerks, you know, I, look, Clerks is great. If you love Clerks, great. Like, I mean, that insp- Hollywood Shuffle, Clerks, these things inspired, you know, making a movie with credit cards back in the late 80s and mid 90s. I mean, the, you know, the stuff, stuff like what you're doing comes from that. Right. So, yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no criticism, but it's just like it's not it, it looks it looks really well put together, which yeah, I think. You is 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 like not something kevin smith could have done in 1990 you know what i mean it's like it's kind of speaks to how far we've come in some ways but then another way you know it's like that whole you know yeah did you see um there's an article that was in esquire like six months ago or so where they were trying to categorize a new film movement like the no budge film movement did you see this no i did not um i'm gonna have to look it up and link to it. yeah it's cool i like it they were basically saying their theory um and they were inspired a bit by the no budge website for the name but oh yeah, and that, no budge. We should say Kentucker Oddly. Yeah, who's a great filmmaker in his own right. That's kind of his thing. He started and No Budge is great. Uh, that website. Um, I'm a big fan of that. And, sorry, yeah, and they have lots yeah. of amazing films on it. But so um, Esquire was kind of talking about them and what uh, Slam Dance is doing, and sure. how you see a lot of filmmakers now, uh, kind of like it's the next step after Mumblecore, where like people have learned how to make movies cheaply, but they didn't want to do like the naturalistic no production value thing so you right. instead you get like indie filmmakers who are still like doing very diy productions with duct tape but they're like trying to make them genre movies so you get like weird noir detectives or like mine has we were inspired by oceans 11 for parts of it and stuff like that well i remember like aaron katz who's is considered part of that mumblecore movement he made a movie that i loved called cold weather this is many years ago but people would call it mumblecore, but it was like a detective movie. And I remember giving it a very positive review, I believe, on the film stage. And I was like, yeah, this is the way. I was like, do make it for a hundred grand or whatever or less and make it like a little noir movie, you know? And obviously, look, something like Ryan Johnson's Brick, it's a little different. That was like cost more than that, you know, obviously. But it's in that vein, right? I think you, and to your point, 
yeah, I mean, I love a I love a no budge genre movement. Let's let's hope that continues because I think yeah. that's definitely, you know, what you learn the more movies you watch, no matter what era you watch it in, is like the idea of genre being a, a dirty word is so stupid because that's like that's the that's the secret weapon yeah, for so many the, great it's movies. It's the in, right? That's the... Yeah. And look, to our first subject, yeah. we can use this as a transition. Tarantino knows this better than anybody. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, just from the movies he loves, like Rolling Thunder, you know, any... You know, read his freaking book, whatever, yeah. cinematic... Cin- cinema, or speculation. cinema speculation. Yeah. Like, that whole movie's about, like, yeah, you can make, you know, an exploitation movie and it could be about Vietnam. You know, like, and you're like, yeah, I mean, we know this, but cool to hear you talk about it. And like... um, all right, so should we get into it? My best friend's let's birthday. Like <laughs> All right, so let's. So wait, Connor, you haven't talked much yet. So let's start with you. Just my best a, friend's birthday on this. Uh, general thoughts, my history with it. What do we like? Yeah, well, because yeah. we went to film school together. Yeah, I did. We, did we both watch it? In I I think I, I watched I, it. So I can't I, remember now. I watched pieces of it back in like the pre-YouTube internet. Um, yeah, like you found it on like a QuickTime player. Ba- basically, like, like basically around like because I remember, I remember watching um, like that two disc Reservoir Dogs DVD, right? And it has that like really long, and like if you don't know Quentin Tarantino's history, it's still actually a really great little special feature. There's this like really long thing of him just talking with it's just an interview and he's just talking about reservoir dogs but also like everything before it and whatever so it's like a good little you might be able to even find that on youtube or something I'm like sure, that I'm sure. i can try to and find in it. it he references my parts of my best friend's birthday specifically how you know he abandoned it but but also how parts of it bled into other things which i do think despite this basically not even being a movie and not being very good <laughs> that's the interesting thing about it you know is to oh, like the first see... two scenes of true romance are in this right yeah. right right there's just a lot of like little and just turns of phrase that you could tell as a writer he clearly yeah, somebody's he, name aldo rain like, in it. yeah he, yeah, yeah you wild. can just tell he he clearly he he clearly had certain things that just kept carrying over but and that's the that's the cool stuff but um i remember seeing it in that like a clip cut to this in that interview and being like the fuck is that thing and like a buddy no, no. Of my, you know this again for you know reference like this was in like the fucking apple trailers adam films days like y'all remember totally. those websites yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so my buddy and i like were scouring different websites to see if we could find it and i forget where we found it but we found like and a, probably not as much as what what we watched for this, which you can find like the whole thing on YouTube. Yeah. Like bit, the 37 bit, yeah. minutes, like we talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. You can find it on YouTube. Um, but, um, yeah, this is my first time watching that 37 minutes in full, but I had seen clips and it, it is less of a movie than I thought it was honestly, like from the clip, like I was like, Oh, I just assumed it was like, he had, you know, like it was like a fully formed thing. And it really, even in the good, whatever quote unquote, good, 37 minutes or whatever it still doesn't feel fully formed to me it yeah. feels no. almost feels like when you see a like the deleted scenes all strung together on a dvd and you're like oh yeah. none of these had to be in the movie yeah that's how this a li- whole a thing little, feels a little it's got the energy of like and i'm trying not to be super mean about it but but <laughs> yeah. at the same time the you know it's the first film from quentin tarantino so he's fine right like it's not yeah but but it is one of those things that like yeah it's got the energy of, you know, um, 
you know, maybe you honed in on a couple, it's like you have to present something for a project and you honed in on a couple things too specifically and like forgot to like make the, the threads in between and whatever. So you're like, well, what if I just presented this to buy myself more time? Right? Like this almost feels like something he was like presenting to a studio exec to be like, this is what I got. Give me a million more dollars, whatever. Right. Not a million, but like, it, it feels like that kind of thing almost. Well, it reminded um, me, like we all made stuff, right? And Andrew, you're still, yeah. ma- you know, we were all still making stuff, but obviously you're having this kind of, <clears throat> it's hopefully continuing burgeoning moment. But like, even recalling, like we were talking before we started recording, like, I made a movie when I was 22. That isn't very good. I've, you know, it, but, or even actually before that, actually, uh, I made a movie in college and Connor was a, was a big part of it. And we, me and Connor, we talk about this, like the last scene we made shot for that movie was me and Connor were in it and we filmed it in the film editing, like using the steam back, like in the, we filmed it in that room and we lit it under we like use the light of the like light where you would like look at the film frames whatever you'd call that right yeah we lit it like that and it's like this intense scene between our two characters and that's like the best thing we did in that movie but we also it also feels like maybe we we figured it out by the time but this is my my point though like we that was like a pickup scene we needed to like connect the dots but but we were learning making that movie so by the time we did that scene if we were smart we would have been like we should just redo everything <laughs> because now we know how right. to make it look cooler right but it was too late you know yeah. but well, I, yeah anyway go ahead i think Andrew. i've yeah. even seen quentin Tarantino say in interviews that he's so the thing that he likes most about my best friend's birthday is that it was his film school so not that sure. he's proud of it at all but like the leap that he made from that to reservoir dogs is kind of insane well, you know, I think, look, I also watched his Sundance Labs, Reservoir Dogs, like proof, proof of Concept, which is like a 12 minute thing that he like shot just in Utah with like Buscemi and like, I can't think of the other actor's name who plays like the Joe character. And I should, I should look it up, but it's like oh, him. Chris Penn or it's Lawrence. not Penn. It's not Lawrence Tierney, though, because yeah. it's. And actually, I looked. I have a thing I'm going to link to about Lawrence Tierney, which I like didn't realize from Reservoir Dogs. Do you guys know the whole Lawrence Tierney thing with no. that? I, I maybe thought I did, but I feel like you're about <laughs> to tell me something. He was a famously difficult guy, sure. Tierney, um, for most of his career, and so um, they shot all of his stuff up front. I think with something of the anticipation, like maybe Lawrence Bender knew this or something, or like Kaitel that he wouldn't maybe be the easiest person. You know, he's like an old guy, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, him and Tarantino, like, came to, like, blows. And, like, he got fired. Like, Tarantino fired him. And then so, but they had shot, I think, I guess what they needed, right? He's not in a lot of the movie, Yeah, he's only in a couple scenes. And so they might have re... re, I'm not... This is conjecture, but, like, it it feels like you could have restructured, right, to, like, avoid maybe some Joe scenes that were initially in there, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess as even, long as you film them getting shot, that's the thing that, uh, <laughs> sure. Matters right. the even the opening right. scene and the final scene. You're yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah. I think, um, anyway, so, um, spoilers, I guess for a reservoir. No, Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so the Sundance lab, even the Sundance lab thing is kind of gnarly is my point. Right. And that's right. like very close to, you know, he's at the labs for reservoir dogs, but you know, look, this, this speaks to, in more of a positive way, 
you know, when you get your team together, if you can raise a million dollars in 1991, you know, which, which is way more now, right? You know, and if you have somebody like Harvey Keitel, who's kind of bringing in the people you need, like I'm sure Tarantino was learning on the set of Reservoir Dogs and was lucky to have a crew around him. Right. Who was that was more experienced, you know, and, you know, and helping him and and understanding his vision, but also understanding, okay, oh, no, Quentin, we got to, you know, we got to do this. Maybe you don't understand that, you know, and I'm sure you, you know, know, and I think, yeah, but it is crazy to watch. I mean, that all that being said, (laughs) you know, the, the simple plot of my best friend's birthday is not really a plot, but basically there's a radio DJ and his like cohorts. Um, and Tarantino plays kind of the DJ. Yeah. Who it's I guess Clarence and he's Mickey kind are the two. The, yeah, he's Clarence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Tarantino's Clarence. Craig and he, Heyman is uh or Hammond is is Mickey. Yeah, and I guess the best friend he, he's the my, right? Like Tarantino's the my. Yes, and, yeah. correct. And and the best friend is is um would you say it's Mickey or Nikki? Mickey. 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 And so basically it's like they're doing their work. The guy gets dumped. It's his birthday. He's sad. That scene admittedly is the best, I think the best kind of structured thing in the movie when he gets dumped. Yeah, because of the yeah when she when the girl comes in and is like yeah because of the way she has like punchlines and twists yeah because of the way she the yeah the turn of that whole scene is like and then the other guy comes in or was was always there that's like I mean it's got a very like it's got a very it's it's like a yeah and it's got a it's the same thing that could have shown up in like Clerks or what like it's got that kind of energy but it is it was admittedly one of the only times where I was I like laughed I was like oh this is this is good like yeah. I I thought basically the... Mickey's girlfriend shows up after they've kind of had a tough time and he thinks that she's like seen the error of her ways or whatever and she's like just coming by to like pick up a record so she can listen to it with her new boyfriend who's like more handsome more successful like and then like yeah. they're catching up and her life is going great right ever since she dumped him and it's like a great the way yeah. it played honestly in a funny way like most of Tarantino's better scenes later in his career, the longer they go on in some cases, when they have those turns, you're like, ah, shit. Like, this is the thing that's been happening the whole time, kind of. Right, so it's it been is, worth it yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like a very small example of, like, that kind of setup. And yeah, payoff. I mean, the back, so the back half of this, like, half movie is, like, so he gets dumped, and then it kind of becomes Clarence gets him a sex worker, but then it goes wrong kind of but then it kind of goes right right and it's like the beginnings of true romance is is where that comes in and the other That's- scene that I, that I thought was okay is when Tar- is Tar- Clarence is Clarence who's Tarantino is talking to the sex worker and that's a version of what you'll see between Patty Arquette and Christian Slater in true romance obviously yeah, way of, yeah. better yeah. But I did like watching that. And like, look, here's the thing about Tarantino. And Andrew, please chime in here. He's never, look, he's never been a good actor. And I think it was like, an effort. and I don't, I couldn't even tell you like Destiny turns on the radio. I like, I, I, I couldn't even tell you a time where I was like, 
All right, Quinn, well, there you go. I don't know I if really I could tell you a time. I, I don't know if I could tell you a time where someone else couldn't have done it better. I'll say that. I mean, maybe the scene, may, and this but is like so the, like, but the, but the, the monologue the scene in, in Pulp Dogs Fiction and the scene in Pulp yeah, Fiction, I, the scene in Pulp Fiction, which is so tough now because of all the, you know, whatever yeah. you say in the N word every two seconds, but like it, the the manic energy of that scene in Pulp Fiction is like does match. Yeah, he's like a distillation of it. Yeah, yeah, the character yeah. matches the moment, he, and the actor matches that. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I don't know. What, I, what I do, do you think? kind of like him yeah. in Reservoir Dogs, but partially because he's he's playing himself, basically. Yeah. He's just rambling about music. Sure. This is but almost like uh, this is almost the difference. I think is in Reservoir Dogs. He just has like the one key scene to make a moment, and then that's kind of it, right? Yeah. Versus like the problem here is like he's the star of the movie right so yeah. it's like it's like it's like very tough because you're just like oh like these just aren't and it's it's yeah it's this thing of it feels like he he has some other characters who work in the radio station who like have you know do the the tarantino patter but they don't know how to do it because he just he hasn't found those actors yet right like he just hasn't right. found a michael madsen it kind of or reminded a, you know, me whoever. i mean this is this is I'm, I'm being you know it, these are not on the same level so don't take this to be but it's a little bit like have you guys watched la takedown the michael mann tv yeah. movie yes that, that yeah, was I have heat. Not. okay so if you so la takedown heat you know <clears throat> heat is a 95 but he basically makes heat. I'm not familiar uh, with heat. Could you explain that? <laughs> he makes heat for TV in the late 80s. Um, and it's called LA Takedown. And it's shorter, obviously. It's a TV movie, right? It's like, it's less than two hours. Yeah. Um, but it's got a lot of the same scenes. And if you watch the movie, it's just, it's a, you could teach a film class in casting of like, yeah. Because the, the, scene, the diner scene specifically is like the same. Yeah, they is have the, same the Neil, scene. They yeah. have the Vincent Neil Pacino De Niro scene in the, yeah. the first movie, yeah. and there are good moments in LA Takedown. But it's like, look, these are TV actors. They're to they're incredibly charming, but they just don't. They lack a little bit of the gravitas. The camera art is doing them no favors because it's a TV budget. It's also which such an extreme was, was jump a different too. Thing. Like as an example, because it's like. LA Takedown to Heat is like, what if we went from TV actors to the two best actors currently living, maybe? No, like, I know. question mark. But, <laughs> but, but it's sim but it's not on like I mean, look, and this is the thing, man had a red and the reason it's like weird even to bring up LA Takedown, which is like a real TV movie that people like yeah. with my best friend's birthday is like obviously two different, you know, yeah. area codes. But it's still like just a funny thing of you could just if you wanted to get really film school about it, like point out how a lot of those lines in my best friend's birthday, they just get smoothed out. They get figured out like Christian. They, they sound better coming out of Christian Slater's mouth. They sound better coming out of Patricia Arquette's mouth. Like, and they and, also, he does, you know, the, he does the good thing in true romance of he kind of combines Clarence and Mickey into Clarence Worley in true romance versus like, this part of the narrative that almost could be the B-side to true romance, which is the scene you don't see, which is where Alabama yeah. gets hired by the friend who owns the comic book store, right, in true romance, mm -hmm. like is sort of what's happening here, kind of, right? Like also, but he just like yeah, then moves they have, the dialogue then around. Basically, yeah, then Clarence in My Best Friend's Birthday basically has the scene with the Alabama yeah, character exactly. in the bed. 
at the end of this movie. Yeah. Which was also like the first time I felt any level of emotional investment in my best friend's birthday. Yeah, the and final so scene. Yeah. 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 And so it's kind of exciting that you can just go turn on true romance and see the rest of that story. <laughs> I know, which and I just like to, a way I better version. Like just a yeah. way, yeah. you know, yeah. Like well but I I think like all these criticisms are super fair, but one of the reasons I was excited about this is because what I love about first movies is they're so scrappy. There's things sure. that are not working. They're falling apart. But oh, yeah. you can still, like, see the DNA of the filmmaker in Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, I love seeing, like, the rockabilly soundtrack and the oh, yeah. DJs sure. and the, like, pop culture patter. Like, it was so the obvious K, to what me is that it? this KPTX was a is also the one. Is that What's the name of the radio station? It's the one that he brings back for Reservoir Dogs as well. That's, like, another. The K-Billy's. Yeah, it's K but, Billy, but he says the the I forget what the uh, actual and even yeah. like whatever, I'm trying yeah. to look up because I wrote it down. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find it. The, the even the the artist at the beginning that they're talking about. Um, oh man, am I gonna be able to find this? Where they're like going on and on, and it's like a semi oh, well known Eddie Cochran. Thank yeah. you, God. Yeah. Where it's like that you can that's in all of his movies, right? And you're like, yeah, but that you know that anachronistic kind of like specificity you know you know you know point to the the whole you know uma thurman john travolta scene at the diner where they're talking you know what i mean sort of gets referenced in this too which is kind of yeah 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 and i think so to your point i agree andrew it's like watching these things are so comforting i honestly i find them comforting because like man he was just figuring it out yeah yeah yeah, right like in a in a nice way, you're kind of like, oh yeah, everybody sucked once a little, right? Like, yeah, yeah like, like one of our yeah. greatest living filmmakers could <laughs> yeah. make that. Well, yeah. well, I'll tell you one a movie we could have done, uh, uh, we didn't do, and you know, if we do more episodes of this, which I hope we do, we'll, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll cover it. But like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola made Dementia the Thirteenth, right? Right. It's fucking travesty, dude. I mean, it's like a, <laughs> it's an absolute mess. I think we watched it in college, and I remember just being like, this sucks and you know you, people you'll hear people like like it for reasons and i love that i'm not yeah that's great you know what i mean i hope to rewatch it one day um you know and i don't that might have not even been his like true first thing he made but it, but it was like maybe his first feature you know and um the only one who i feel like was like always really good was freaking scorsese dude like who's that knocking on my door yeah. it's like really good you're like yeah oh, come on Look, some, man some Jesus of them are just touched, Christ. You know? I don't I know. Know. it's like crazy <laughs> oh my god but um but yeah i mean it, it's an interesting curio um it's I'm, I'm happy that it still floats around i think you know, he's always mentioned he'd like to put it all back together just as like an artifact, but I don't know who knows that that'll ever really happen. It's funny now he's in this like reflective, he's doing that podcast, making yeah. his, you know, allegedly his final film, writing books. Yeah, you I can hope see he him just remakes that. this as his final film. Wouldn't that be so funny? <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I'm just, the movie critic is just my best friend's birthday. Yeah. I could, yeah, realistically though, I could see him like cameoing as Clarence Poole for a scene in, in yeah, the movie, movie critic. critic i could see him doing that i do hope we were saying uh andrew in our last episode on michael keaton we were saying we were like loving on keaton in uh jackie brown pretty hard wow, and we were like such a man, so get him back for a scene in the movie critic just one more yes. time as get ray nicolette though somehow like... bring ray to la get him, have a, have, do one more nick a third nicolette uh cameo oh, slash scene um but um but yeah, I mean that's it, right? What are we can move on probably to Saturday? Yeah, is there yeah. any kind of other? Andrew, is there anything uh, you want? Anything else you want to add? 
Not really. I was really excited to see this one because it's Tarantino and I'd never seen it. And yeah, I just didn't actually find that much. In it. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, Tarantino, Andrew? Um, oh, man, I go back and forth. I mean, like when I was discovering movies, you know, sure. like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown were like this holy grail. Um, sure. And then Pulp Fiction is, um, I mean, it's, you know, Sure. It's famous one. It's obviously up there, but I also rewatch Inglorious Bastards over and over and over again. Yeah, that one is really good. I I think me and Connor are in agreement. We we have trouble quitting Jackie Brown. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's, Jackie that's Brown kind of always me. always floats back up to the top for me. But yeah. but it's funny because I was thinking in just kind of scrubbing through before we 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 jumped on the Zoom. Um, my best friend's birthday. There's also like my favorite, maybe my favorite scene in any of his movies is the finale of Kill Bill Volume 2 where like David sure. Carradine has that amazing monologue. I like rewatch that all the time. The Superman yeah. monologue yeah, yeah. that it's leads great. into the final fight. Like, you know what I always time, think I was, of Because Warren Beatty, they almost yeah, got Warren Beatty to do that. That's the thing I always think but, of is like, but, but Beatty would have crushed I, I, Nobody <laughs> loves Beatty. No one loves Warren Beatty more than me. I love Warren Beatty. Right. Carradine brings a weirdness to that. That Beatty would have never. I feel like it, it's so great. It was the guy who was the star of Kung Fu. Like, well, yes, obviously. You know, obviously. when you think about the Sam Jackson thing, and you know what I mean. Yeah, There's and it's so a little. Much it there. is. It does it's make like, it all a little more kind of strange Tarantino. too. Because like, you're like, trashy. Because yeah, you're like, like, you're you like how yeah. could all these people be seduced <laughs> by this one man? Where it's like, if it's Beatty, you're yeah, like it's a little like, bit more oh, obvious. Yeah, uh, well, obviously, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Beatty. Even and even in 04, Beatty. I mean, look, and he got, got, God knows he's he's like ninety. He still looks good for his age, but like in ninety, you know, 03 when they're filming that, he had just made, you know, four years ago, two years ago, he made Town and Country, which you know, he had just made the one Dick of the worst Tracy movies ever made. television he looks special. Um, Town and Country, my God, well, I think we talked about that on this podcast, right? Well, uh, not as an official B side, but we did, we did talk about <sighs> next episode. Have you seen yeah. that? Uh, I have you seen now. Time? I will now. Well, you get ready, buddy. <laughs> get get ready. Um, all right, so that's I, my best we'll friend's say, birthday. Go ahead, Real please. quick anecdote no, before no, we go please. on. Um, oh, one yeah. of the best movie-going experiences I've ever had, I somehow got tickets to the Friday night showing of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the New Bev, which oh, is Tarantino's nice. theater, for those who don't know. Yeah, that's and, fun. Um, it was one of the best screenings I'd ever been to because everyone it was just like electric and people yeah. freaking out, especially at the finale. But when the lights came on, Tarantino was in the back row watching, and he didn't tell anyone he was there. He never did a Q&A, nothing. He was just he there was to like, watch up. people see his movie on opening That's night. That's nice. Uh, and we could just see him like beaming in the back seat as we all walked by, and he would just kind of like wave and shake hands. But it was very chill. And what a, what a like, relief <laughs> that must feel like, you know? Yeah. Just to like people to like your movie, yeah, just, but oh, like not God. even like, but like see it because that one I would that one also, and again it's the most recent or whatever, but like that one is also relatively high in like my ranking of yeah. his movies. Like I think about it quite a bit when I think of his movies. Um, I just think to me what's so crazy, and I don't even know how to. It's hard to even quantify it. Like why I couldn't even tell you why that Brad Pitt performance is like, like touched from God. Like you're like, I don't even <laughs> yeah. understand it. Like you're watching well, it. Because like, it's because it's like, it's a, cause like, I think Leo's great. Uh, he's great in the movie. No, you know, I think Robbie's great. Everybody's great. Right. But Pitt is like, not Pitt's to open like, up a can of worms here. 
and we don't need to really get into it. But even all of the bad press that follows, right, with Pitt, like oh yeah, other like stuff. Yeah. all of that, right? It, it almost makes the performance better because you're just like, and especially when you read the book. Once upon a time in Hollywood, right? Oh God! Like, which he's the Cliff the Booth reason character. It, you, the, Andrew, I don't know if you read the. I bit. haven't read it now. The, the reason the like, reason it works is because it is oh, it is like, like the embodiment Christ. of like Hollywood as this. At least to me, this has always been my read on it. Of like, Pitt is the Pitt in that movie is the embodiment of like, and like an icon of Hollywood, insofar as like Hollywood being this beautiful place that does terrible things, right? Yeah. Like. And like we take care of our own in a very insidious yeah, way. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I know he's just a stuntman in it, but I'm just saying it's Brad Pitt no, but, but, and he and he yeah. is beautiful, yeah. right? Like, right. and so it's this very interesting thing to me, especially like when you see what he quite literally executes in the in the finale of the movie. It's this thing of like, can we find this violence acceptable because it's because it's preventing this other you know much more horrifying violence that we know about historically, right? That, that, that yeah. Tarantino's like undoing. And it's like a prickly thing that like is also entertaining and that's the prickly part about it, right? And that's why I like the movie's good. But um, it is a thing that the, that nature of the character does make me think, I, I continue to go back and think like, oh man, if that was Tom Cruise, it would be absolutely perfect. Because like... like Cruz has yeah. enough of like he's but who would have been weird, the other actor, right? Like Cruz right? seems like someone who it would have had to be not Leo, right? Because they had these pairings. Yeah, was the whole would, thing, right? Right, right. right. Yeah. It would have been, so. Yeah, I don't know who would have been the Billy Crudup. Sure, why not? Right? <laughs> who knows? Sure, that would be great. I love make it, it Toby. Cool. Make it Toby. Grab another Ooh, another member of the another pussy uh, yeah, member. Yeah, Lucas Haas. <laughs> sure, <laughs> why not? Kevin Connolly is it um, is Haas not in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? He, it, I feel like he shows up for a scene. Does well, he not? Can I tell you? Can I? We we are so far off, but I gotta I just know. say this because this comes up all the time. I love that Haas. I don't. We I think uh, have we seen? Have we all seen First Man? The Damien Chazelle Indeed, movie. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for, in First Man, Lucas Haas is in First Man. What I love is he's Mike Collins, who's the guy who didn't. He just died, I think, Mike Collins. He's the guy who oh, stayed did, up in, in orbit around yeah. the moon. Stay yeah. on the moon. He just orbited around. Yeah. And I love that it's Lucas Haas who plays right where it's like the pussy the guy who like didn't become Spider-Man. Who like <laughs> didn't become Dom Cobb. You know, he's like, you know, he was like, you know, in witness, great witness. And he knows how to very good. Yeah, career, he's like, but... he's, yeah, and he's like the dude in Inception who like Gets yeah, taken like, away up. before the big job, right? Yeah, like, well, no, because yeah. he, yeah. he, he fucks up the carpet. <laughs> he fucks up the carpet in the beginning. He's a also good, the good mark, opener. I think, in in Widows, right? In the Steve McQueen movie, he Widows. Is, you know? Yeah, he's a good actor. So he's nothing actor. against him. I just yeah. love that he plays that role in First Man. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, all right. So we won't go too far into other debuts um, because maybe we'll come back to this, but. There's like we're talking about it. There are plenty that are fascinating. Like I feel like one that was on your list, Andrew. Correct me. Was uh, Lisa Cholodenko's High Art? Yeah, great movie. Just like as just as an FYI, like just a really. Oops, sorry, I hit the mic. Like a daring, like kind of a fuck you 
type of a movie that like I saw way too young, like way too young. And I like, like in blew, utero or like, like, <laughs> like blew my hair back, uh, back when I was still growing hair where I was like, <laughs> what is, um, what am I watching? Like, right. And so there's a million stuff like that where it's like, you know, you know, that that's a great debut. And then even like, you know, you have stuff like, um, you know, well, well, like, I mean, it's weird, right? Because it's like, if you, obviously, something like Citizen Kane is this, uh, you know, incredibly amazing, auspicious debut. But, you know, Wells had been directing so much theater before that, right? And yeah. you had somebody like, Mank. is it Greg, is it Greg, is it Greg Tolan? Is this, right? That's his name, the cinematographer. Yeah. You had him literally, like, the greatest cinematographer who ever lived, like, inventing ways to do shit with the camera and lenses that, like, people still do today. You know, so it's like, he, not unlike a Tarantino run Reservoir Dogs, like he had a great team with him. And, yeah. and, and you know, jokes aside, Mankowitz right in the script. Mank, you know, God bless. Mank. Mank. Um, oh, Mank. I, kind of, I really anyway, wish that title had an exclamation point. It probably should have. <laughs> you know, a few more thousand people to watch that. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, yeah. You know, just get a little more excited. But, um, <laughs> but this is the weird one, the middle one, Sour Grapes. Um, <laughs> this is you. you. This is all you. This is all ages. me, man. Yeah. Right, real quick, we... I want to go on record as saying I fucking love sour grapes. No, so <laughs> this is why I wanted to ask the question. So, what did we all think? So, you love sour grapes. Um, so, I'm yeah. happy to hear this. This makes me happy because I yeah. think this movie is. Uh, I think it is funny. I don't think it's good. Yeah. So like, this is what yes. I would say. Like, this, I this is there what are I would bits say about in it. it that are very funny. I so. Yeah. I, I came into this um, in a weird, like, I had a weird history where, like, well, we, we you and I went this. to Atlantic City that one time, and you <laughs> took did. my quarters. It's and, true. And you and hit, and I did not, I've not given you a, I've not given one you a red cent. cent. But you have two kids now, so it's like, keep it. Thank God. And it. you know what? The diapers, expensive. they wipe me out. They wipe me out anyways. This isn't that. Yeah. But so, um, so... <laughs> Um, ask Connor how often I just complain about diapers. It's got to be the most <laughs> annoying thing to be somebody like just enough about the diapers. I know they poop. I get it, but um, but anyway. So my thing with sour grapes is I definitely saw it a long time ago because it comes up a lot on the podcast. But like my mom, you know, is has always been a movie lover. My dad too, but like I always kind of credit my mom with being the reason. I love movies the way that I do because she would always watch movies. She'd rent movies and she was always pretty good about like, if she rented a movie, I'd pop it in. And like, you know, it's probably one of the reasons I saw stuff like high art mm. where I talk about stuff like Bill Con Bill Condon's gods and monsters or like, you know, stuff that like challenges you. And like, when you're 11, you're like, what, like uh, you're like trying to like make heads and tails of it. And I think with sour grapes, my parents definitely hated it. Right. When I think nobody liked it right when it came out. Yeah. And I think they probably rented it because it was the Seinfeld guy. Sure. And it was like very mean, you know, very glib, very cynical. And it was in 22 minutes. Right. Which I think is the big thing with Sour Grapes. And so I watched it and I have always had this memory of it being like this dog that Larry David made that like lest you never speak of. And I will say rewatching it, it's certainly like formally not great. Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of like takes you probably shouldn't have printed or whatever. Mm. But I will say I was kind of, Andrew, to your larger point, there were like really good scenes. Like the Philip Baker Hall scene Fun. where he quits so oh, right. yeah. is really funny. What does he call him when he walks in? He's like... <laughs> 
Well, he's like, if he was like fuck face or something, yeah, yeah. he's like, he's like, okay, fuck face. And like, no, they all just like, all right, the, well, you're the, fired. The, the, the really like, quick <laughs> synopsis. In case Ugh. you did not watch a VHS in the late 90s, which see, I feel like I had seven different VHSs that had the sound. It was all the, Bier, all the Biercos. You watched yeah. the 13th floor. Uh, that's what it was. Long kiss no, I just, I just feel like grapes. I remember seeing the, the like, coming soon thing before whatever vhs i would i feel like either it was on one movie that i watched a lot or it was like on like five different movies you know like kind of thing but i remember seeing the trailer in like 1999 for this movie a lot and like on a vhs and the i remember being you know old enough at the time to like grasp the insanity of the situation of like oh yeah that would be a pickle and that and the situation itself is these two cousins played by steven <laughs> they're cousins yeah. that, that is also yeah. i have to say great yeah. they're yeah. cousins um yeah the, like not brothers you know what i mean <laughs> right, like the right, cousins right. makes right. it better is yeah, what i mean yeah. yeah and not friends too right because that almost it's like it's, like it's like, like it would be so, friendly, such a different thing but it's the it's that like obligatory family bond right yeah. where right. it's like uh he's my fucking cousin and you well you like, get the idea that they're both only children right so it's like that would be the cl- you know sure go hang out with your cousin um so steven weber plays evan craig bierko plays richie they go to Atlantic City with their gals, and they're both kind of out of like a couple grand or whatever, right? But Stephen Weber's a, a successful doctor. Yes, which he's is a brain, literally a brain surgeon. Yeah, so he's like, money's not an issue yeah. in his life. Yeah, and I also Craig, just want to interject real quick and say that this movie is so insane that just listening to you describe it again, <laughs> I'm like filled with glee waiting to hear how you're going to so, do this. So, and Craig Bierko is it's seemingly also pretty successful generally so. he's like i guess in my he memory works for the, he he's like not, a nike shoe designer. Designer. designer yeah, yeah that's not sold. nothing yeah. Yeah, um, like like the famous character from a movie a movie that I love that everybody hates Elizabethtown. Uh, uh, <laughs> Drew Baylor is um, a shoe designer. So <laughs> I cry a lot lately. Um no, so so <laughs> basically they go to Atlantic City they're they've both kind of not been wiped out or anything, but they're you know they're they're at a loss for uh, you know, and they go to the slots and Stephen Weber is like you know to hit anything you got to put in three quarters at least right 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 right, right. and Craig Bierko is like all right so he puts in his last quarter and then he's like I'm out can you give me two quarters and Stephen Weber gives him two quarters and Craig Bierko hits a jackpot of like $460,000. And I did the math on this. I mean, I didn't do the math. Google did the math, but (laughs) adjusted for inflation. It's not like, it's one of those things where I'm like, that's a lot of money anyway, but I like looked it up to get the severity. It's like $820,000. So it's like not, yes, not an insignificant sum of money. Frankly, even if you are a brain surgeon or not, I think I, I would think, um, even taxed, that's like what five hundred clean. You're yeah, prob- probably yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's you know it probably is four hundred and sixty after taxes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, now in twenty twenty three. Yeah, but um, but basically, hence the sour grapes. Uh, beer goes so jack. I do about love that it. the first shot is just gl- grapes, grapes going sour. Yeah, I mean, becoming raisins. Like, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> is funny. Yeah, you know, you funny. know, you know what you're getting into. Um, yeah. and. 
honestly, that shot might be the most formally impressive shot in the whole yeah. movie, if I'm being yeah. honest. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure. But the, yeah, so, you know, hilarity ensues because they start bickering. And if it's starting to sound like maybe an extended Seinfeld episode that should only be 22 minutes long, that's basically what it is. Because I feel like they kind of run through the concept, right, of these of Evan wanting at least something substantial, right? At first he assumes he should get half. And then after talking to his girlfriend, it's like, well, I should at least get something, right? So he thinks at least maybe he'll get like 20% or something out of it, right? And and the smartest thing, I will say one of the smartest things the movie, do, the movie does is like different people in their lives have different opinions about it. Yes, yeah. Like and I, Richie's I think girlfriend crucial. thinks he should give the cut, you know, Stephen yeah. Weber something. And then yeah. Stephen Weber's girlfriend is like, no, he should give you nothing. And it's like a very kind of like, you know, there's a little like liberal conservative thing happening there. And then like Stephen Weber's receptionist, like is totally on his side. Right. And, you right. know, all these different kind of elements, which I think works. And then I think what you're talking about, Connor is like a lot of different things come into play. Richie's mother's health, right. All yeah. these things. This like whole, you know, unhoused people who are <laughs> live on the street where Steven Weber works. Orlando Jones being one of them. Who's really, yeah. good, really good little performance good by Orlando movie. Jones. And I will say, if you're going to have that whole kind of rough part of the movie, but also very Seinfeldy part of the movie, like I yeah. just wish there was even more of it. Like I wish Orlando Jones even became more central to it which he does become pretty central but the whole thing with the, <laughs> the richie's mother's house and stuff i just wish they would even gone farther to be honest because it's like yeah. if you're gonna do it and his mother the by way. the way we should shout out uh, viola harris who yeah. listeners might know as eva mendez's mother in uh, oh, the other, the guys. other guys. He <laughs> wants so, to bend you so, over and do things to you you never even heard of. Like she doesn't want to walk right for a week. Uh, <laughs> that movie is. I bad. just I can't literally keep doing two this. days you ago. You say after, such personal things <laughs> after the Michael Keaton episode. I just watched the they on YouTube. There's just like a Captain Gene. Like, like super cut or whatever. Super cut yeah. of the six minutes. He's like, we're just all the Michael Keaton scenes from the other guys. He's like, don't just, it's not, don't call me Captain Gene. It's not Cap. I'm not, I'm not the star of a kitty show. It's just, just Captain. Just call me Captain. Um, but anyway, that, I just wanted to shout her yeah. out because I do think she's funny she's in good. this. And she, she's yeah. funny in it. Yeah. At first, I thought she was just Eva Mendez's mother. <laughs> Better. Oh, I love yeah. that. I mean, she could be. I could look into that. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. Change your name. <laughs> But so why do you love it, Andrew? Why do you love it? I Well, okay. So first of all, it doesn't make me laugh a ton. But also, sure. I think like the first 30 minutes or so, I did have some of this response you get to talking about of like, why isn't this a Seinfeld episode? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what it felt like. And then around halfway in, it goes to such dark places. Yes. That <laughs> I was just shocked. And at that point, I was like, I guess I don't know what this movie is anymore. And yeah. um. And, and it I doesn't just... it feel like Larry David? You can, we can spoil this movie for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think Larry David. It feels like, in a very honest way, and this is all you know, this is assumption. He's very like open. You know, he he's pretty regretful of the movie. He talks about how it didn't work. He talks about how he kind of wasn't really ready for it. Blah blah blah. Whatever. So okay. And like Stephen Weber's basically being a Seinfeld character, yeah. right? And I think yeah. Weber is really good. I think Stephen Weber is one of those actors. 
my he's got loved, very i mean he, it, my parents loved almost, wings it, if we yeah. all watched wings like he's always been a really good and even to this day he's in a lot of stuff now he's an incredibly like like accessible underrated actor um and I think he does really good work here. And it's kind of funny because the whole joke of Seinfeld was like Seinfeld wasn't a good actor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that works for the show Seinfeld, right? It like actually helps at a certain point. But you laugh to yourself. You're like, well, if Steven Weber was Seinfeld, the like whole trajectory of that the, the that foursome in the show would have been so different. Because like Jerry in the show is the fourth, right? Like because he's... He's so funny, but it's like yeah, the but way he's the just show's the built. Like it's like yeah, yeah. He, he's the fourth funniest, right? Because yeah. it's like they're yeah. all so much funnier than him. But Weber would have really challenged, and I wonder how that would have changed. I think you know, he's Kramer as I, funny. Probably I not. think what's yeah. what's interesting, right? Because I like with the Weber thing. You could Bierko. I got to be honest. I, I have trouble with yeah, I, and I, and I think the problem. What do you think? What yeah, do you, do, think, do you like? I mean, I. Well, I think he maybe has some of the biggest laughs in the movie, but he's also sure. like always at an eleven. Yes, yeah. that's that's the thing. Yeah. What I was gonna say is his my, my he's doing one thing that I which like. in Long Kiss Goodnight it works because well, he's the he, villain. Look, Bierko right has like a punchable energy, right? Oh. And so deeply, it so, al- yeah. always has, right? Always has. It, and even it, the play, he plays the villain Max Bear in yeah, which Cinderella is like, Man, t- which, a but it's a very histori- over the top, a tough role well, yeah, historically. Max Bear's family but helps the, mo- like the helps the movie because you're like, like yeah, you hate punch, him in that yeah, movie. Yeah, you're like yeah, punch that dude in the face yeah. as hard as yeah. you can. Yeah. Right? So he's yeah, and, it works. It can and work in this, sure. it yeah. helps too because it's deeply like annoying, annoying, right? And it's it's. I will say like that's the one that's the key successful thing about this movie is its core conceit I do think works really well because like oh, no. the, totally the nature of like Steven Weber not needing the money but wanting some on principle if it was if it was George Costanza instead of Jerry you know, cousin Steven Weber yeah, yeah no 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 I was going to say if it like if if George Oh, won the lottery. Won the lottery, right? Yes. But it was Steven Weber as the counter, you know, if 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 we're like putting Jason Alexander in as George Costanza into Sour Grapes, right? And it's that character, right? Mm-hmm. There's a level of like, there's the insufferability there, but to a degree of like, honestly, it's going to be better if you leave it alone, right? Like, just leave it alone, let it go, whatever, right? And this, you kind of get Weber's like put upon victimhood a little only mm. because Bierko's just like so he's mugging every single line and yeah, it's, it's so insufferable right and so it is this interesting little thing where Bierko who was supposed to be Chandler on Friends which I get I get yeah. 100% right? I think, right. like, yeah, I think I mean, the problem it would have probably like, not been as good but it would have worked I'm gonna make way. fun of Chandler on Friends specifically it, in this movie right, yep, right. Yeah. and yep. I, I think the the that whole thing is crazy with the voice. <laughs> yeah, the thing, that is guy. they are they making fun of Matthew Perry there? Or are they making fun of Matt LeBlanc? I got the the idea he was like or a Matt I LeBlanc. I feel like it's a composite because he's he looks like Schwimmer a little. Oh sure, but he acts yeah. like he acts like Joey, right. which is LeBlanc. But then he's like 
off-screen character. Matt Keesler, like by the parody. way, is that actor. So there's this there's yeah. this actor in the movie, <laughs> that right? This, so uh, this TV actor who's supposed to be on like a Friends comp, right? His name's yeah. Danny yeah. Pepper. Great name for that name. This is see, this Pepper. is funny. This is funny about doing this podcast. I, I am laughing more about the movie, talking about it. Sure. Right, and it does speak to the thing about comedy. I feel like if the three of us were together watching it, having beers, we would, yeah, I, we would have been like, oh yeah, this is you know, sure, anyway, sorry, keep right. going. And keep part going. of what made me laugh so hard in this movie was, oh my god, I can't believe they made this. Not like, yes. oh, that's a great joke. Yeah. It's just like, what? Yeah, what you're like, what? it's it's a little bit. You're rubbernecking a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, while watching it. But basically, the the like second slash third plot of this movie is. Danny Pepper, who's this Matt LeBlanc, Matthew Perry kind of comp almost or composite, uh, basically goes into Stephen Weber because he needs an operation on his balls because he's shooting blanks, basically. Yeah, and one specifically one ball needs to get taken out. Yes, just right. one, just one, just, just one, very ball. specifically, and uh, and so one of the things that comes to play is as the sort of feud between Bierko and Weber grows and grows and grows and distracts both of them. Bierko winds up quitting his job in the scene that we were just talking about with Phil Baker Hall, which is, <laughs> so which is maybe Bierko's best scene in the movie because they it's have like, that, like, and they have the pleasantries at yeah, the it's end. Like, okay, like, have a good day. Have an, you have do. A good day. I yeah, will. No, okay. Yeah. Take care of yourself. <laughs> I will. Okay. Well, why wouldn't I? <laughs> why would, I? Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Then why'd you that say it? Good. Uh, I don't know. I was being polite. All right. being polite. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, 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 that right is... He calls him, I think he calls him... I do think he calls him a fuck Yeah, piece. I think it's, so, yeah. so good. That's a great little bit, and oh, Philip Baker God. Hall sells the shit out of it. Um, but... So he loses his job, and Weber basically winds up getting so distracted that when he finally has to operate on Danny Pepper, he cuts off the wrong ball but the problem is it's not just like a simple thing of like the remaining testicle was like a problem testicle that would then metastasize and like be bad so then he has to cut off take them both, both yeah. of danny pepper's balls and that in and of itself feels like that is the core conceit of an episode of seinfeld right like yeah it almost just feels like larry david pulled out like a drawer of notes and was like well i never use this one well, and i never use this one and i never used the homeless guys going into the mom's house that's only being rented and destroying it right and and so he's like just dovetailing it all together and i think at the time and i'm this is me totally projecting and like whatever it feels like maybe you could imagine at the time david almost saying like yeah i'm making like a lubitsch or i'm making like like it's just meant to be this like complete farce of oddball characters and disparate stories or like an you know a, a, a qcor movie or something right like and it's too it's not pleasant enough to have that energy right like yeah. it's not sweet enough to have that energy and like i think that's sort of its big problem is like i and i think dan you might i think you had told me this i think it was in like like ebert in his review it said like the problem with this movie is it's like making jokes about things that aren't funny 
Right. Yeah, Eber did not like this, and I think Eber I would always somewhat was... disagree. I think it is making jokes about things that aren't funny, but can be. Like, yeah. you know, like... well, the impression I got, especially since Curve hadn't happened yet, was yeah. that this was what Larry David wanted to do. Now that like the network TV censors were yes. not looking at he's, him, he's like exercising demons almost or something. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because then you track it where like Curb is such a, a windfall for like his creativity, HBO is a brand, right? It's like, you know, kind of on the heels of Sopranos and on the heels of Sex in the City and it like, you know, it really is where he can play and, and then really, <laughs> you know, it's untapped Larry David. And I think what's funny is, you know, to your larger point, Andrew, and the point of the whole episode is like, as a stepping stone from Seinfeld to that, you see a it lot of It feels like the grapes. evolution. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? You're kind of like, like yeah, I mean, he was figuring it out where it's yeah. like maybe he learned. Because there that, are individual that... jokes that are so Well, yeah, and good. maybe like... he just learned that the 80-minute movie wasn't where he was going to play. Yeah. Maybe he learned it's a 22-minute, you know. Yeah. Because yeah. it I does play yeah, yeah. I went so deep down this rabbit hole of like, how many oral histories can I find? Can I find Yeah, what did you find? What you find? What you stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. One, he's like very aware that it was a flop. He's critical yeah. of it. I know that um, Steven Weber and Craig Bierko love this movie and they were really upset by how it was received because they felt like on set it was so much fun. I mean, they seem mm. like they're having fun. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like nobody seems bored in this movie, right? Like, right. Yeah. They're both but, showing um, up for sure. And then two other things I noticed. Uh, one was Larry David acknowledged at one point that because it was his first movie, and I don't know if he had even directed any of Seinfeld. Obviously, he was writing and producing in there yeah, all the time, I don't but know I don't know if he, if he directed. Yeah, yeah I'll but look so it up, but yeah, keep going. I think that he was um, letting other people call the shots a little um, in terms of like, I don't know, like how do we shoot this? Or what he was like deferring to other people, and I think that might be part of why it feels so messy. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that I read was it kind of pointed out that uh, when he went off to go do Curb after this, HBO was not what it is now and it didn't have the reputation it has. So it was almost seen as him like failing with the finale right. of Seinfeld being such a flop. And then this being a flop, he was like sent to jail at HBO. Right, But right. because they didn't care as much, it, it's this place where he developed this playground to kind of turn Curb into yeah. what it is. You're right. He never directed an episode it, of Seinfeld, at least officially. So this was yeah. his first credit of any kind of directing. And yeah. I feel like the writing in this is, it's not like the best written thing, but it's maybe the best written, or the best thing about it is it's writing. Like the concepts sure. are very funny. The dialogue clips. Yeah, and like the, it. Yeah, the jokes are yeah. good and they and they pay off nicely. I would say the one thing, and again, I don't actually think this is necessarily like a writing failure per se. It's probably more just a directing and editing failure, is there are jokes that make their way in that feel like they were there as sort of a natural part of kind of keeping the energy of a thing movie thing moving not even they they might not have even been improvised. They might have been fully scripted or whatever. But like and I can't think of specifics, but there are moments and scenes where characters will stop the the whatever argument they're currently having to be like, why did you say that like that? Like, you know, like, and it'll be and then it'll be like, say, like, what, like what? And they'll have these like little mini tangents that'll just be sort of casual observations. And those are things that just again, I think because of the observational show about nothing nature of like Seinfeld or just sort of the curmudgeon nitpicky nature of curb your enthusiasm 
play a lot better in both of those spaces because it's the kind of writing that pops up in those a lot too. But I think here when you're just sort of mining a conceit and mining the escalation of those, uh, you know, that's those sort of trying, uh, you know, trying uh, relationships, it weirdly feels it just makes certain feels scenes feel saggy kind of like where Mm -hmm. I feel like it deflates a little bit. But it's a bummer because then he finds ways within the same scene to just bring you back up with a single joke. Like I'm I'm thinking of the scene where. Uh, Viola Harris has died, right? And um, they're at her funeral, and the her landlord that Craig Bierko was renting the house from after <laughs> yeah. it's been destroyed by homeless people goes to the funeral and is, is like, and is like, hey, is this a bad time? And Craig Bierko, bless him, perfect delivery, <laughs> like looks back. You can see that it is, it is maybe actually, I was joking about the grapes. It is, this is actually maybe the best stage shot in the whole movie because you can see the coffin <laughs> the down coffin, the aisle. Yeah. It's true, it's it, true. Like inside yeah. and he looks and then he looks back, he goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. just yeah, like good. a perfect beat that like that stuff really breathes life back into it again in a way that you can just yeah it's almost it's like relieving that there's curb your enthusiasm in the future right because like yeah we don't have to look at this movie as like a, oh man he almost had something like yeah it clearly you know he was able to like execute on it i and i, I almost s- wonder too if like part of the reason i was so uh, warm towards this movie is because I've had like 10 seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm to sure. prime me for the sure. sense of humor. Right. Whereas yeah, if yeah, you yeah. had never, so I knew what I was getting where I was like, oh, this is yeah. so Larry David. Yeah. It just feels right. a little shaggy. Right. But I can imagine if you didn't know that, like you just showed well, up. Also, you got to remember blind. Seinfeld, yeah. he had left Seinfeld too. So those last two seasons of Seinfeld are lighter and like sillier. Yeah. Right. Which is the Jerry thing, which, you know, people were very critical of when it happened. And, and I like... can imagine the feeling like that almost rubs off on it. Right. Because it's like you're watching Seinfeld get worse. And the thing David left presumably to do in some regard. Yeah, sure. Is yeah. like also not good. So you're like, well, what is the point of any of this? Right. Like there's this. Right. I... Yeah, they need each other. Yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, exactly. Stuff, you know? And then obviously they both went on to kind of do. I mean, look, you know, look, Seinfeld be movie alone. You know, it's yeah, like obviously. Um, we but, could talk um, about B movie on a future. Episode. Yeah, B movie is one of the truly one of the weirdest movies ever made. Um, but but um, what's funny is he Seinfeld as we as we are recording has his Pop Tart movie coming out next year. He made a movie sorry, about yeah, excuse me, did Jerry Seinfeld. I believe it's for Netflix. For a second, a I couldn't tell if you were joking. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> is this episode I'm, I'm, sponsored by Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> yeah. So Jerry, come in. Jerry, come on into the Zoom. All right, there he is. Jerry Seinfeld. I'm just checking if he's directing. Yes. Okay. It is called. Okay. Here we go. It's so he's making Un- like air, but for pop tarts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ready? Okay. Here it is. It's called Unfrosted. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Michigan, 1963. Business rivals Kellogg's and Post post compete to create a cake that could change breakfast forever directed by jerry seinfeld i will say not not written by jerry seinfeld which is interesting and um a a, a predictably stacked cast i believe it's a netflix production yeah Yeah. this is like my least favorite trend absolutely like let's go look at how this brand got famous yeah and and even like and you know me and connor have talked about this and, and we'll move on to our last movie after this but like even stuff like you know that so they had that movie tetris the apple tv plus movie you had obviously um air. 
Air, and then well, what was the other one? I'm forgetting. Well, Barbie, I, I guess. Yeah, it's I like way. Barbie, but it's still it's weird that it's, it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. but I was like Blackberry. Air, oh, Blackberry, I haven't seen, but people well, like well, Blackberry, and I like Blackberry because it's a failed company, so you well, can watch it. Go well, free. And that's different, right? And even yeah. Tetris kind of gets away with it because it's like it feels very like of a piece of a time you know but even like air right and we talked about this i like air i think ben affleck like, is a very interesting director in some respects matt damon's a great obviously great movie star there's a lot there mm. but like there are moments in air where the movie breaks its own rule where like the movie knows that air jordan is going to be successful yeah, and the right. lines like suggest that there's like omniscience in in the character and i'm like wait a minute whoa wait yeah don't well, act the like worst. this is risky the and then have lines where you're like, well, as you own, oh, you know, Air yeah, Jordan's going to work. It's like, trend whoa, 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 whoa. This <laughs> it, is not, Nike sucks right now. Like, don't it, forget that. It's like, the worst uh, trend. The I one like I that. always think of is I think it's yeah. in, I think it's in Too Big to Fail. Um, there's a line where. Which might, is a pretty good movie. The no, Chris it is Hansen. a pretty good movie. Yeah. But the but yeah. the, the thing, it, that movie does this, the, the, it's, the, like it's that, the same the, thing. The real estate We're, bubble yeah, breaking and, movie. And I yeah. think it's Spacey. Ooh, uh, I think it's Spacey <laughs> who has the line where he literally says like, we're going to remember this day for the rest of our life. And it's like, nobody fucking said that. Like, no, yeah. you know what? You know, no, like, you know what you're thinking of? You're thinking of Margin Call. Oh, sure. Okay. Right. Because Margin Call, I, I love I love Margin yeah, Call. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's a really interesting movie. Uh, I think it's really snappily done. J.C. Shandor, good filmmaker. But, yeah, it just does the that same thing. The entirety of the like, Spacey character, yeah. honestly, he is the delivery system for like, remember this day, boys. You're like, what? 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 Like, yeah. You, it's, you it's didn't happening know right that, like, now. There are more pressing matters like, than remembering the You didn't know you were day. Lehman Brothers when you were Lehman Brothers, yeah. like before yeah. you went down. Like, come on, don't yeah. say that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a, a, it's a know, weird, it's a bad, like it's a bad, it's bad. screenwriting crush. And it's very common. And it's very common, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but I agree with you. I look forward yeah, to the, it in the, Unfrosted. Unfrosted. Yeah. Pop Tarts still going like, strong. What if these were smaller? Uh, I have not introduced like, my children to Pop Tarts yet. Funny enough, um, I'll just wait till be... next year. They're going to be on every corner. It'll be part of marketing. <laughs> People are going to be. Yeah. You can't go anywhere. Um, all right. So okay, just two short years later. In a little country called South Korea. Larry David makes a film. <laughs> Larry David made a movie with Bong Joon-ho called... Now, here's what I'll say about Barking Dogs Never Bite. I had not seen it. Nor had I. I've seen time most had of Bong's yeah. movies. I feel I've, like I haven't seen Mother. I've seen yeah. about half Mother's of them. good. I th yeah, Mother, I think I've heard, I've seen is good. everything that's a feature. Like, I, I think, think he's done anthologies and stuff that I've not seen. I think, sadly... I feel like for people who love Bong, because I feel like this movie gets ridiculed now, my favorite is probably Snowpiercer. Sue me. I don't know what to tell you. I love Snowpiercer's it. Snowpiercer's great. Yeah, it's not that it gets ridiculed, but yeah, I but think it's like it's seen as, I think, it's like, one oh, of the you more don't really populist. Like Bong yeah, if your no, favorite it's, is it's Snowpiercer. Silly. Which, which Snowpiercer I, you know, Snowpiercer what, it is what it is. But that's but what like I love I, about him. It's like he does make populist exactly. movies, and they're so full and of artistry and depth and, and thought. Yeah, they're amazing. And he gets good performances out of Chris Evans. You know what I mean? Like, hey. Yeah, well, that and Sunshine are like the two great Chris Evans performances um the earth too of, cold the, is, is chris part, evans yeah, he's like he's like we're going into the sun or yeah we're yeah. stuck on earth and it's too cold yeah um um what was i gonna say but so barking dogs never by um andrew you said you never seen it connor had you seen it no i had not i knew about okay, it cool. I'd, I'd okay yeah, so it first time you know look i nowadays and i never thought i would be one of these people but i did get a cat um 
almost uh, over seven years ago now. And I love that friggin' thing more than, you know, many, most things. And I will say ever since that, I do struggle a lot with animal violence. Like, yeah, it and really, there was it, so much of and it. And there's so, yeah. just as a warning to all. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a lot they, of To the point where it's, it's, it is, it almost is a, I'd be, I'm both suspicious and impressed because the movie opens with a yeah, with big, no big fat title card like, of like, no bong, animals were hard, were harmed. And when you watch bong. it, They're it's like, how were they it's like, it's like, it's like, that yeah. dog is hanging yeah, by its from leash. A thing. How, that's yeah. not a fake like, dog. Like, right. how is that? Right. That's not, and you know. so it's one of those things. Like, that shot actually is the one in particular that I was yeah. like, oh, deeply so. You're that's the one. That that's that's wait, this dog wasn't dying yeah. and then, for like two. We'll yeah. Let's okay. just quickly do the synopsis just so we could get. Because it is can this movie. Can you do it? Because I did this okay. so much. I'm not. It's actually. Close your ears, Weirdly, it's weirdly a simple story like it's not kind of actually also go ahead, it go reminded ahead. me of sour grapes because it starts from the yeah. pettiest place that's, that's true, true. Right? that's true that's Base, true i'm gonna give the basic basic plot right yeah keep it basic because so, so yeah. essentially it's about a grad student right named yunju who yeah. is angling you know he's down and out he Unemployed. is he's married um and he's got his wife is expecting right they live in just an apartment and um he is is it seoul or busan it's seoul right i think i don't know they never say I think it it's they never seoul. say it feels like i don't like think seoul. they specify yeah anyway keep um, going, sir. but anyway so he's angling for a professorship one of his co-worker you know just colleagues basically has said like look like so and so just got a professorship and they because they went out with the dean and they got wasted and whatever and they basically bribed him so like you should probably do that right and he's kind of bumping up against that and he doesn't love the nature of it and he's just really kind of you know uh he just you know is really really i mean it, this is one of those we'll get into it but this is one of those first director Autoristic things where you're like, oh yeah, he was just always doing this, right? Like it's it's very much like sets of characters trapped within systems that they thought would elevate them, and instead they're like trapping them, and they have their own set of rules that make things much much worse, right? Like and like knowing of, what baby tastes like and that sure, it tastes better sure. than it, you yeah. know fame, you know famous model. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he knows babies taste best. Um, <laughs> that is such an insane. Thing. Delivered, like delivered, delivered beautifully. Such a, a really great line from Snowpiercer. I haven't seen Snowpiercer in a long time, and I was like, I do not remember that. The scene Chris Evans thing where he's like, I know that baby stays best. We're like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> say less. Anyway, Chris. anyway. Anyway, uh, so, please, but 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 point is structurally and thematically, if you've watched Bong Joon Ho's other movies, you're like, okay, like I get, yeah, yeah, I yeah, get yeah. where this is coming from. So you have Yunju on the other side, on one side, who's dealing with that. And then on the other side, you have uh, Duna Bay, who plays uh, Hunyam Park, who basically is a, uh, she works in like a copy office yeah like, what's it's kind like, of like a yeah it's like a messenger service yeah they have to slash be, yeah they're copy, like yeah. they're like a copy printing office but they also like it seems like they notarize documents and stuff like yeah. that too there's like there is probably some local politics slash infrastructure things that just you know would speak more to a korean audience probably but that's the general sort of vibe of the place that she works and so 
she is also just kind of again stuck in a rut like yeah looking to get famous looking to get famous and um and essentially their two paths intersect because yunju is sort of driven quietly mad by this yappy barking somewhere within his apartment complex and it almost in like an Edgar Allan Poe-esque way, right? Like, um, and he essentially sets out to try and find where this is coming from and sees initially, uh, sees initially this yippy little shih tzu. Yeah. And, is and this like, is the opening scene. Yeah, yeah. This is the beginning of the film. And he's like, okay, he well, tries to, tries to hang it, and he, and gets he, a gunshot, and yeah. tries to throw it off yeah, the roof. Yeah, throw first it, he takes gunshot. it up to the roof, right? And there's a woman who's uh, drying out radishes because they do best in the sun. That that comes back a little bit later, but basically, he tries to throw it off the roof. It's a you know can't can't bring himself to do it. Brings it down to the basement to try and hang it. Uh, and that's the scene that we were talking about where it's shot in such a way where you're like, ah, they definitely raised that dog off the ground by its leash and collar, at least yeah. for a few seconds. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, feels it's, like I, yeah, it's, I was like, it's, I had trying to contemplate like what rigs could you use? No, to make I, that that's what I it's, I'm know. either impressed or suspicious and or both, yeah. right. Cause it's like, if, it, if no dog was truly harmed, I'm like, I don't know how you did it. Yeah. Cause um, this shot happens like three minutes after yeah. the title card too. And and, like, right, excuse right. me. <laughs> It, um, at least it knows at least it lets you know what it's like what you're in for yes, you know, yeah for absolutely sure absolutely yeah. and um and so anyway so like dan said he gets gun shy he lets the dog down he can't bring himself to do it right and then he all like this is the thing where i was like he almost does the worst thing right where he then just finds this cupboard and he puts the dog in it and closes the door and just leaves it yeah, yeah and, like to die. Yeah, to die. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, and then it really like reveals this kind of underground. There's a janitor. Yes. Yeah. Finds yeah. the dog. Cooks and the dog. Very right. proto parasite. Yeah. A little. There's a little bit like yeah, upstairs, downstairs for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. like a yeah. little you know, bit of that. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of that. The janitor is clearly like, you know, he's yeah, he's sort of the third. Kind Let's of, just say Bong Joon Ho. There's and, no way he doesn't love Dostoevsky, right? Like, right. there's yes, so much absolutely. of that. Like, yeah. you know. Anyway, and, yeah, and I will Andrew. say, too, I was talking to a friend who had watched this, and I do not have a deep enough understanding of Korean culture to like touch this. But um, I think because, like, I think Bong is a very class conscious filmmaker. Yes. You know, yeah. and I yeah. think that because dog eating is like permitted in parts of Korea, I think that it like. I just think that there's a lot of stuff happening with class around these dogs that I don't fully grasp or understand. I'd be curious sure. to know if the breeds are also signifiers, right? Yeah. Like, because the first dog is kind of like a, like a, a Shih Tzu Lhasa Apsa kind of looking thing. The other one's like a more like a Rottweiler or whatever. Basically, other dogs get injured in this movie as it goes on because he realizes the first the wrong dog. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, yeah. he he leaves the wrong dog to die while the janitor who is living off of the facilities above him and living out of the basement um is eating you know he comes across the dog in the cupboard eats it in a in a stew that i'm sure is delicious probably and <laughs> i wouldn't and, no. <laughs> um and when 
when it's realized that the wrong dog was killed, not only does he, you know, he tries to check and see if it's alive. He sees the janitor has already found the dog. But then he's like, okay, well, I, I, it's not like he's seen the error of his ways. He's like, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to kill that dog too. Right. Yeah. And so it becomes this thing that it is the dog of the woman who's drying the radishes on the roof that has already seen him. And he throws um, that one off the roof. Yes. And and admittedly, admittedly a very movie. well put together yeah. sequence that I it's think. It's a cool sequence. Yeah. Duna Bay sees him with her friend who's like a lazy. Yeah. And he like, like, like clerk at a bodega, you know, a Korean bodega. Yeah. And like. There's a chase sequence that's very well done. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that scene in Anchorman where they punt a little puppy off a the little, bridge. Actually, actually, like yeah, a dramatic very, action it, version of it. What do you yeah. love? What do you yeah. just destroy the one thing I love? What and do you so, love? Yeah, My dog she, Baxter here. Yeah. Duna Bay is looking through binoculars and sees him drop the dog off the yeah. building, right? Um, I'm and, glad we didn't weed with this, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's... Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's it's it's... I'm glad we didn't lead with it for two reasons. It's harder to talk about because it's just rough. Right? Hard, yeah. But it is the best of the. It's like a very oh, good. It's a, sure. yeah, it's a very actual, good. It's like movie. cinematic like, and thoughtful yeah, yeah, and well done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It is like if you in a vacuum were to watch these three movies, this is undoubtedly the one that births a great filmmaker, right? Like you're yeah. like, oh yeah, you like understand why is... he has a best picture Oscar. Yeah, like exa- exactly. Fifteen years later, exactly. yeah. yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind yeah, of and the, then, and where then, the and then, title know, comes more, from essentially and yeah, how the there's dogs more intertwining of plots and then, and then, you know, the underground element of the janitor and kind of other people as part of that comes and in and like, there's also yeah. like a homeless person at the, but yeah, it's, it was interesting to me because like, again, like sour grapes, like they were actually it dealing is. with much yeah. more serious takes on it, but similar ideas. And well, and you could call them the Korean sour grapes. I think people have. I think I saw people that in it. some people reviews. Said it. Yeah, that's not there's... original. That's not yeah. an original idea, yeah. Connor. Really nice. <laughs> but there is also like very funny slapstick in this movie, and like well, I was laughing with the homeless. I thought with the with the with the unhoused guy, the guy he's like living, yeah. kind of living in the basement, and he and he ends up stealing another dog meal from the janitor what have you and there was this kind of tense scene at the end in which duna bay who we should say duna bay great and cloud atlas we should say that um, she yeah. is trying to rescue a dog who is actually the is the lead character's wife's dog is this whole kind of the back half of the movie and i think if if anybody's you know any we've all lived slash currently live in you know big American cities. I think what it gets right about that whole tense chase, quote unquote, scene with the homeless guy and Duna Bay at the end is like, it's scary because he's like half out of it and like pursuing her, but yeah. also confused. And, and being if very you've ever, friendly and giving Yeah, and if times. you've ever been, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever been in situations like that in yeah. cities, you know, I've had a couple, right. you know, little hairy scenarios with, with, you know, with people who are a little like, you know, I don't know, I don't want to presume things, but, you know, dealing with stuff, whatever, and it, it can be scary. But well, the weirdest part about those encounters is like, it's unpredictable. Right. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, I think what I mean. And so I think what the what that sequence does really well is you don't really know what's going to happen. Like he's kind of ch- chasing her, but he doesn't really know what's going on. All of a sudden they're in an elevator together, so the proximity is really close. It's not so even just really because of the nature cinematic. Of- 
stuff yeah. happening there too because yeah. it like goes into slow motion and there's those crowds of people throwing confetti behind her it's not even the what i kind of love about the unpredictability well, that's her because she wants to become a oh fame. that's yeah. right yes yes yeah, of yeah. course but yeah but no but no it's good yeah. it's not even uh unpredictable just because of the nature of the setup of that scene but it's also like you were watching a movie where like multiple dogs have been murdered right which is like yeah the car one of the cardinal don'ts of, of yeah, movie making, that's, right? that's a great and, point and you don't so, know you have no sense of what you have no sense of what could happen, no what could happen yes, now which yeah. is beautiful kind of like in a you know in a, in a suspense way um yeah well, look pair look parasite look i mean we you know it was one of the many reasons Parasite's so effective is because that's another movie where, like, at a certain point, you're like, "Oh, what I, the? F- I guess like, I, literally I have no idea happen. what's going to happen yeah. next." Because, yeah. like, so when that ending happens, you're like, "Well, this might as well happen." Well, you're like, I, I, you know, like, you're like, what yeah, I you know. like about the, just to speak to like, it is crazy that Parasite. That's like, do you remember how nice that was when Jane don't Fonda you think, announced but Andrew, Parasite? Like, you're making, the, you're making real, picture. you're making real stuff right now. Like <laughs> that has to something like Parasite must be a warm blanket because like there's so much yeah. discussion about you know not to move from the movie but just you know, but it's Bong Joon-ho like there's so much talk about you know the DC the Marvel blah 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 like episodic movie making right like part ones part twos you know across the universe beyond the universe there's, four, there's 45 spider verses like everything's a metaverse like all you know and it's a little tiresome and it feels like audiences are kind of catching up with that to some degree what have you Parasite success is like a warm blanket of of like belief in yeah. like audiences where you're like, <laughs> yeah. you know, my parents, you know, who, you know, look, I mean, look, my mom watches a lot of movies, but there's these are still 60 plus year old, you know, suburbanites who are like. They sh- they're not seeing Parasite, but they saw Parasite, right? Yeah. They wanted to see it, and I like, watched it with my mom, and she loved it. And yeah. they love, and they liked it. And my point is, like, that is com- that's nice because right. you're like, wow, yeah. like, like it's and even that really more impressive. And, you know, than like, one it's even more picture, impressive but. than Oppenheimer this year, right? Which is impressive. Oh, sure. Which is impressive, right? Incredibly impressive. But you're yeah. gonna make a billion dollars or whatever. But like, but yeah, like it's we're talking about like a bunch of Americans flocking to see like. A foreign film, right? Like, yeah. uh, in like, yeah, it's not, when that, people that, say, like, they don't make you. them like they used to or whatever. I just think of Parasite. I don't know. They make them pretty good sometimes. And it, no, well, for sure. For and, sure. And for sure. Just to bring yeah. it back to this, there is this element of like, this movie's very good. It's got a lot of the same juice in it in terms of what he excels at in terms of like build up and payoff and surprise and like rug pulls. I think, and I don't want to speak too much to it because I do think people should watch this movie. So I don't want to like fully spoil it. But like, there are just certain supporting characters in this movie, and it's it. it he does this in Parasite. He's done. He does it in other movies, and it, it, but well, where, the whole monologue just to, early on, for example, to your point, the whole monologue the janitor has early in the movie. Oh yeah, he's talking the, about like the building and yeah, like yeah. You know, the guy who's like in this movie, you know, it's amazing in this movie. It does such a good job. And I think it's it's interesting because I feel like you could watch this. You could like double bill this with Parasite because they do feel so thematically connected, almost in a very literal sense. Right. Um, That like it almost feels like Parasite hones in more specifically and more intensively to unpack some of the stuff not that he brushes over in this movie because I feel like he does give it all its kind of just time on screen or whatever, but just stuff that he's clearly noodling 
right like or around thematically like that monologue right and just the notion that like when you're dealing with the presumed nature of certain class structures and the people who inhabit spots within them and why they inhabit them there's always another shoe that drops there's always a bigger fish there's all like it's that that kind of stuff happens a couple times in this movie where like yeah. you know you see the janitor and you're like okay, well, this guy's just, like, living the down and dirty, right? And then there's a dude who fucking steals the dog meat from the... You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, that yeah. type of stuff where you're like, oh, no, yeah, there's just a whole nother other layer of an even worse life somebody could be well, living. Well, look, that, right? not yeah. to bring it back to... But it brings it back to the Orwell book, right? There's whole yeah. sections of that book about that, right? Where it's, like... It's a fascinating when you know it's and look it's very it can be very exasperating can be very hard to watch and I think the thing and Andrew you were saying this earlier the thing that you know Bong does so well is somehow keep it light and entertaining while n not well while usually not sacrificing you know the the heft of the movie you know yeah. what I mean and I yeah, like because even movie... something like the host right. Yeah very entertaining monster movie su super socially in you know aware well, and just and like and it you know, doesn't feel like godzilla's not but you know what i mean it's like it's it's but like yeah, it's different it, yeah. of, of a piece yeah it's it's weird because he almost like i don't it's it's to the point where i don't think you could even call his even though they're so um politically charged right um and socially charged you can't really call his movies satire, right? Like it's not because like somehow in all of that juggle, all of the characters feel like real people. They yeah. all feel three dimensional. Like, and I guess that's what I'm getting at with like some of the characters in this movie behave in a certain way for a lot of the movie where you're like, this person fucking sucks a little bit. Right. And then like, yeah. And then they like reveal a thing to you, and well, you're the like, wife uh, "Is the most the yeah." I just I don't want to get yeah. into the specifics because yeah. I don't yeah. want to spoil yeah. it. Right? But, oh, sure. Sorry. But yeah. but yeah. that character has like a rug pull where when it happened to me, I was like, "Powerful, damn!" It, very, like, yeah. you know, and yeah. like, and it's beautiful. Like that's good movie making, right? Like that's yeah. thoughtful, considerate. Like that is thoughtful, considerate social commentary, right? That like without without even trying to get lost in the weeds of like a of both sidesism or anything like that. It's just like a really interesting yeah. intent way on like finding all of the actual facets of whatever situation you're unpacking. And I, it's, it's funny to watch this because I had not seen this movie. So to watch it now, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, of course this movie's great. It must've been fucking bonkers to watch this movie in 2000 and be like, who the fuck is this person? Like, yeah. like, cause it's great. It's such an assured, it's such an assured piece of filmmaking. And granted, he had been making things, right? Like he had been making short films and stuff. So it's not like he was out of practice or anything. Um, but it is And this film, this film is nice is 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 uh is conveniently available now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, yeah. I got it from my library. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's on canopy. It's on canopy, yeah. which is a library service. And yeah, you know, I think in uh I it, where I live, we use Hoopla. Is what uh, is okay, which, sure. another parts of the country? I think it's canopy, but um, but yeah, I was able to get. So I think that's nice, right? If you're looking to watch it, right, you can get it for sure, which is yeah. not always the case with some of these kind of older, you know, um, older films from 
you know, even the Asian market, right? You know, whether it be South Korea or, you know, China or even, you know, Japan. I think Japan's been in general more accessible for longer, but... Um, I mean, I feel like but, there are certain Korean films that start are, have been starting to see the light of day, but it, honestly, it's probably because of Bong Joon-ho winning Oscars for yeah. Parasite, right? Like, is probably, yeah. is probably the thing, but... Um, well, in the old boy phenomenon, you know. Sure, I think right. I, and I want, you know. Andrew, I want to, I do want to bring this back to you because it does feel. I don't want to speak for you as it being an influence or anything like that because you said you hadn't seen it, but it does feel weirdly thematically appropriate to your movie as yeah, well, and like everything, sure. everything you were speaking about. So it's kind yeah. of this funny little thing where you I, like did you watch this movie after having just made your movie and be like oh yeah he gets it like like just kind of, yeah yeah <laughs> so um one thing i've discovered is because when i made my movie i was like off on my own just being like i want to do whatever i want and i yeah, didn't sure. actually like deal with people and now i'm doing that thing that happens where like suddenly you get a couple meetings and everyone's like what's your brand who are you yeah you have to and like they pretend want to know. there was some sort of thing that was all that yeah. it was all in service of yeah absolutely and i definitely fumbled the first few times someone asked me that question because like i don't know i've never thought about that but eventually i started telling people i just started using bong Jun ho as a touchstone in these conversations because i do love what he does so much and he like uses genre and social commentary but does like a high-end artful version of it and so I started to use him as like a touchstone in uh, everything I want to do. And honestly, yeah. when uh, when it became an option to watch people's first films, and I was like, that's the only Bong movie I haven't seen, I just immediately was like, well, that's the one I want to watch, hands yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, that's great. No, and yeah. I think, Connor, you're right. Yeah, and like, and look, you, you know, American Meltdown, it's like, it, it, it has a similar track where it starts as one thing, becomes another thing, you know, and I think... I think often those, you know, um, that stuff's harder than you think it is. And I always, when we talk about movies that do that, I think it's always important to say that because I feel like if you can pull it off, it doesn't seem hard to like right. pivot in your narrative where you're like, all right, now it's going to become this. It's like, okay. You know, if you pull it off, you don't think about it. Right. And I think, you do a good job in your film. I think Bong obviously is often doing that. I think I look honestly, probably one of the reasons people maybe bristle at Snowpiercer to some degree is because it's so directly down the line, literally, right? Yeah, Where it's true. like it's it's never th that movie doesn't really do that, really, right? Whereas like you it know, does a, li it a does little, a bit, little, but yeah. the, like the to me. One of his great, great movies is Memories of Murder because that whole movie is like just this. You think you and I don't definitely don't want to spoil that movie, but you you turn that movie on being like, oh, OK, a murder mystery. And then it's like and look, look, I think um, <clears throat> Park Chan-wook does a little bit of this in a totally different way with Decision to Leave more recently. Right. Sure, it's yeah. a very different movie, but it's a similar tech trick he's pulling where it's like you should you know like oh okay oh like a little hitchcock movie and you put it on you're like by the end you're like what you're like no right <laughs> but you're and no then, less engaged you're just no, no, no. it's just but like a memories yeah. of murder yeah. memories of murder you're like oh it's like an auto preminger you know it's like a 50s hollywood murder mystery and then by the yeah. end you're like wait 
I, this was this and became something totally different. It's funny like, you bring yeah. up Hitchcock because like his best movies are the ones that pull that off so successfully, right? Where it's like you think you're watching one thing and then halfway through you're like, oh, this is a different thing. Like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, Vertigo being the Psycho, most direct. Vertigo, you know, Psycho, you know, obviously, yeah. too. But like, oh, well, Psycho, I guess, directly yeah, so. Yeah. Right, sure, sure. Um, but um, yeah, fucking Psycho. Pretty good, Psycho. Good movie. Have, have, you, heard, have, you, heard, yeah. have you heard Psycho. about Psycho? You guys heard about Psycho? Pretty good. Yeah, that's Gus Van Sant, right? Um, yes, Gus Van, indeed. It's the yeah. Gus Van Sant movie, yes. Yeah, yeah. Gus Van Sant Psycho. I was just Psycho, talking to somebody. Kind of good, Let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? One of the most exciting things is to tell somebody who's like, you know, a fan of movies, but maybe not like, you know, it's not like the thing they do. Maybe tell them about Psycho, the Gus Van Sant, and it just watch their eyes be like, what did he do? You know, yeah, like, like so just, he just remade very- it and he did every shot the same way, except Vince Vaughn fully masturbates in that one That's, scene as opposed to like even, intimating even Perkins that, doing it. Even that, it's like, it is still a shot for shot remake. No, but it's just the shot is the same. Do it. Yeah. yeah. And like you just, and you hear the sound design. I just is the love real that Vince Vaughn was like, the only change will be we're going to hear him jacking off. Yeah, he knew which what I was think important. is in the book, right? I don't, oh. I've, actually never, I've actually never read the book. And we also didn't even mention the fact that Sour Grapes is about a character who can self-fillate. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> I'm so glad you caught that before we wrapped up. Uh, and there's literally that back. shot of the ca- on the back of the couch where that actually might be Connor. You keep bringing this back of like the best frame shots from Sour Grapes. The yeah, shot I of, keep saying I I keep saying it's like formally terrible. From Maybe behind it's... him and then his head just shoots up. You're like, oh, Maybe my I'm God. Wrong. Oh, he was born. He was born with two less ribs than other people have. So he's always been able to. Well, you know what's what weird? About, weird? Is that not around oh. the time that that like Marilyn Manson room must have been? That, must do you think have. that sour grapes somehow just trickled down to elementary schools, and we were like, "This is possible." Well, Look, I like I said, it was that. on the VHSs we, that I watched all the time. That's one of those weird. Time. That's like a Ber- that's like a Berenstein Bears thing, right? Where yeah. it's like it, somehow we all like it's like the Mandela effect. It's like yeah. we all just were like. Oh yeah, it's Berenstein. I was like, no, it's Berenstein. It's like, oh yeah, Marilyn Manson could suck his own dick. We all yeah. were and told he was that. on we the Wonder Years. Like 12, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so we were all were told that. We were yeah. told. Right. Oh god, that's so weird. Anyway, um, yeah, thank you for putting a pin in that. Craig Mirko <laughs> in Sour Grapes can suck his own suck dick. his own dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is canon in the Larry David universe. Yeah. Yeah. They know I also when just want to mention, him. and this is so weird, and I always kind of f- half forget it, <clears throat> and then I'm reminded. That he is in the thirteenth floor. He, he had well, yes. Birko's, yeah. yeah. The 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 lead, the lead yeah, of the thirteenth floor. Um, no, that Larry David, though he had cameoed in a couple of a couple of Woody Allen things earlier on, it's so crazy that he's the lead of a Woody Allen movie from like the in, early in, like the twenty thirteen right, and it's one of the worst movies Woody Allen ever made. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, it's, it's like we're, truly an awful, awful movie. If we're cutting it off, you know, controversial subject. If we're cutting it off at like the the now European wilderness period or whatever, but like from sure. there to everything before, it's just I, crazy. I they made to a movie together, and like everybody I just knows, being like, it's everybody knows, right? Is whatever that, works, whatever works. What is everybody knows? Is that another movie? No, that no. You're thinking anything goes. I don't know. Anyway, anything else? Everybody's the Jason Biggs one. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Anyway, um, whatever, whatever works loves. is anything whatever else? works oh. is I think undoubtedly like one of 
Woody Allen's. Oh, it's one of the worst, worst movies. and it's just insane because like, it's David and Alan working together. I mean, right. it's like two of the great, yeah. you know, like comedic minds of their time. You know, you know, perhaps a little too late. You know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> But um, I remember the thing, the selling of that movie was like, Woody Allen wrote the script 35 years ago. And like, you read that, you're like, oh, well. Do you think that title, we've just been putting the emphasis, the wrong emphasis on it, where it's not whatever works. It's it, it's like they're almost whatever answering. works. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> They're like, well, uh, what, they're like, what could work here? And they'd be like, well, whatever works. Whatever like, works. Yeah, like yeah. it's a statement, right? It's like, it's like the first <laughs> round of notes in a client thing that will get butchered later where it's like, oh, do you like this? Yeah, whatever works. And then like by round four, it's like, why? We have to take everything out. And you're like, oh, okay, this, you said whatever works. You, did, uh, you said whatever works after the first round. You said it. Um, But anyway, uh -huh. freaking what a crazy weirdly connected trio of films that we <laughs> yeah that andrew you i watched them you were largely all responsible back to back <laughs> thankfully to back in order i had That's like intense. a weird little it's actually it, it doesn't it doesn't sound as bad or sad as it is only because my best <laughs> friend my best friend's birthday is so short and right? also sour so grapes is short that's what i'm saying you know? and yeah. and barking dogs and everybody we didn't say 106 minutes long well, yeah not perfect. long i mean like, honestly tight, tight that's really like two movies you know yeah. right the, you right know. so it's not it was fine it, look it was raining i did <laughs> watch barking dogs and everybody with my dog uh well, no. yeah so well oh another thing i forgot to point out is that bong did okja which is like one of the great animal rights movies so well, it's i was gonna to say, say right. it's funny right it's almost this the, it's kind it's of the funny way that, that the person it's who like made how this demi made, made demi yeah. made philadelphia after silence of the lambs kind of as a right. 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 Himself. yeah <laughs> yeah he's like sorry about that serial Good. killer character yeah that oh, yeah. movie about aids you guys cool with this movie about aids <laughs> Bruce, 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 ready to talk about Philadelphia. Quick, quick. I know you're from New Jersey. You're writing about Philadelphia. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I always think it's funny that that it's the right Jersey's over the border. first it's right son over. was like, Streets of Philadelphia. I love that song, man. Won the Oscar, I think. Um, but all right. So what else? We're coming to the end. Andrew, tell, just so remind us, and while there'll be links in the article, was it Film Quest? Yeah, so um, if anybody has been at all intrigued and wants to see American Meltdown um, in late October, early November, it will be playing virtually at FilmQuest, which is nice. like a horror genre festival. So I don't know exactly how to get tickets yet. That hasn't been announced, but keep an eye out. And then uh, we're going to be doing a film festival circuit. So hopefully we'll be popping up at random cities for the next couple of months. And we're trying to figure out distribution. But the idea is that early 2024 at some point will be out online for people. That's awesome. That's yeah, great, and we'll dude. obviously keep updating and you know, it's just cool to Yeah, man, cool cool to talk about it, cool to connect it to these kind of other movies. And cuz this you would call this your debut, right? Of Yeah, I mean, for sure. This I is mean, like, like a proper, shorts and branded yeah. stuff or whatever, but this is like the when first When people look movie, back, this is right? the first one. In 25 years when at your storied we're career, help. when no, we when me and Connor are dead and gone, you know, <laughs> yeah, God, and I'm no. making sour grapes too. In five years, <laughs> in five, in four years, yeah, people, people are gonna be like, you know, Andrew Adams' his first movie was this little movie called American Meltdown. Yeah, and I'll um, go find podcasts to hear people break it down. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. The next <laughs> yeah. B side. Will but be I have like, been like obsessing over first movies for the first couple of years to be like, how did they do it? What's in it? I mean, are there a couple that. others like that have struck your fancy first? movies that yeah, are just I mean, like there's some that are like 
uh, you know, like PT Anderson started very strong and all that. Um, right. I was really true, true. surprised by the Safdie brothers, the pleasure of being robbed. Yeah, I was um, not seen. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it's like very DIY, very, very like micro budget feeling, but it has like a spark and a life to it that was really thrilling and honestly inspired a fair amount of my movie because I was watching it being like, I want to do this. And then I went and wrote a movie about a pickpocket. From a movie well, even, called The Pleasure of Being Robbed. You know? Now, their first movie that really broke through was Heaven Can Wait, right? Is uh, that what it's called? Or no, Heaven, know, Heaven, 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 knows what. Heaven Knows What. Yeah, Heaven Knows What. Yeah, and Daddy Long Legs was another big one for Daddy them. Daddy Long Legs, too. I, I, guess I'm th- I guess I'm speaking colloquially, where like Heaven Knows What was the one where I watched it. And even that has that thing of like, you know, that's very like you're on the streets and you're just like, well, I, you, to, the, to the point of what we were talking about earlier, you don't know what's going to happen next. You're kind of yeah. like, what? what which I is don't also know what Uncut Gems feels like. Right. Like you can certainly. see those threads continue on, which I think is really cool. I wish we had a video of me. Of, I wish I had had a video of me and my wife at the end of Uncut Gems where we were both doing the like, what's well, that meme of like the dad standing up near the TV watching standing the movie. In front, yeah. <laughs> at the end of that movie, me and Kelly were like both standing up on either side of our living room, just like watching it like this, you know, and being like, and then like when what happens happens like I she was so like mad but loved the movie, you know, like yeah. God damn it, you know, like and I was, I was, I I was like, there we go. There it is. There we go. That's, that's the good stuff. That's yeah. the good stuff. My wife um, and I watch it every Passover. Oh, do you really? Yeah. See, that, I feel like that's too stressful for me to watch it all It's kind of nice, like though, because you drink a lot of wine at Passover, so it's just like a... At, you know, I'll usually like spend the afternoon like making dinner for the Seder or whatever, so like when it all settles, it's just kind of like put on some... You're loose, you know? Yeah. yeah, you're you're open to it. My mother-in-law, I gotta say, loved uncut gems to the there point where, like, weeks later after Passover, she was back home and she was like, "What was that movie we watched? I gotta watch it again." And I like rented it for her so she could watch it. Now, let me just before we wrap, I want to say that once again, this podcast is sponsored by Jerry Seinfeld. Just want to thank <laughs> the Safety Jerry Brothers. Yeah, go, watch the movie. Yeah. go watch yeah. B movie. Go watch the documentary Comedian. Please go watch. Get get excited for the upcoming on movie yeah. on Frost. Comedians and cars Coming. getting coffee every Coming episode. To a Netflix yeah. near you. <laughs> Um, well, Andrew, thank you for coming on, man. It was great yeah, thank to, you. to, to great. talk to you. And uh, and Connor, is there anything? Uh, I mean, I'm just going to pass to you as we kind of no, get we've to got, No, we've got some fun stuff coming up. We will, I promise, be getting into our audience choice episodes, oh, right. yep. uh, which if you played along with that, that we did throughout August and the beginning of September, uh, we did five, actually, that we teed up. So we did... Uh, actors from michael mann films in which uh, daniel day lewis won out and then we did uh perf- the women of martin scorsese in which jodie foster came out on top so expect that and then uh also just some rebel rousing women from ridley scott films in which case uh, sigourney weaver came out there and then uh the cohorts of steven soderbergh so you got a little don Cheadle coming your way as well and we Cheetle. did a little we did a little special extra audience choice of those four directors. Uh, we will be covering the B sides at some point, I suppose appropriate given uh, what comes out in a couple of weeks. But uh, we will be doing the B sides of Martin Scorsese. So 
uh, that'll who be, does have a lot of beef. A lot, have to say. actually. <laughs> like a really, we're gonna have to kind of, I think, pick and choose a like little. Kundun, yeah. right? Like bring like, out the dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that's two of there. them right there for sure. Like, I mean, those are the first two I think yeah. of, right? You know, but like, you know, certainly. Boxcar Bertha, you know, there's but a lot. I, you know, we're going to sort of parse those, all those episodes out. Cause I think we are, we, you know, we want to find some nice guests for them and, and all that. Uh, cause Lord knows you don't want to hear just me and Dan talking about all that stuff. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, and also coming up, we have, uh, a, we're doing a little special episode on, uh, Vietnam movie B-sides uh, with special guest Brian Raftery, who just wrapped up uh, a wonderful Ringer podcast called Do We Get to Win This Time, which is all about Vietnam movies. So, um, Which so, Vietnam War movies. Yes. Sorry, I should say. Yeah, not like Vietnamese cinema or anything like that. Specifically movies about the Vietnam War. And uh, yeah, so that'll be coming down the pipe as well um if you like what you've heard here you can rate review subscribe uh you can follow us on most social media at tfs b-side uh and yeah that's that's about it um dan anything from you no dj mecca on twitter and elsewhere and then reviews on the film stage fathom stories for kind of the short stories that i audio stories that i do hopefully a new one coming out soon and yeah watch the space for more stuff oh and i should uh sil so silly of me um but i should shout out that we as we record this new york film festival is just starting to kick off so as you hear it we will have done a few in-person cinephile game nights you can check out film at lincoln center for information on those um, and we, once this drops, there will be, uh, I believe at least one more game night on October 10th, that if you are in the New York city area, you can come out for, uh, and that'll be a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun last year. If you were there, we had a lot of fun little guests and it was great to see a lot of faces. So if that is up your alley, you can come out on the 10th. Uh, and if you've come out to, uh, to the other ones so far, thank you for doing that. But uh, other than that, thank you for joining us. I'm glad we could kick off this little interesting little set of B-sides. And uh, we will see you. And now you're listening to the B-sides.